Back to Big Lezzers League. Now, you're probably wondering, why are we seeing Big Lezzers Ugly Mug on a YouTube screen? Now, uh, we thought we'd do a little bit of a special one this week, uh, going through uh, the Titans season. We're also going to be going through the Dolphins and the Manly Seagulls a little bit later on on my own. But I thought to go through the Titans, I can't really go through the Titans and not have a little bit of uh, Titans bias, a little bit of spice to the <laughs> podcast without getting my main man in BKR Sport, uh, Blaze himself onto the podcast as well. How you doing, brother? It's been a while. It's been a while, man. You know, we've been cracking on. It's been a, a long year, but a, a good year, a building year. And, uh, you know, it's not biased, man. It's just facts with me. You know, the Titans are the greatest team that, uh, that ever existed. So, you know, the sooner the people come to understand that, the better. Mate, listen, you've had a pretty shocking grand final loss as well on, on your hands over the past few days. Not only uh, did your team not get into the top eight this year in the men's competition, but um, yeah, the girls were just unlucky. It was a great game though. I will give them that. It was a fantastic game of football, the Knights and the and the Titans. Yeah, no, it was absolutely, you know, just to obviously hit back at that little bit of a shot there. You are a Rabbitohs fan, so I don't know how much I'd be talking too much after uh, the season that's just gone by. But yeah, look, obviously the men's, we didn't do too well. You know, it wasn't, uh, we had a lot that went on and we'll talk about it obviously today. But, um, you know, the women's, regardless, like that was our first ever grand final in any professional sport in the Gold Coast. So very proud of them. They were up until the last 10 minutes of the game. And, you know, it's just to make up and she's just fantastic there for the Newcastle Knights. So no, very proud of the women um maybe not so much of the men but i'm proud of the direction that we're going in. yeah yeah totally and we'll talk about that and obviously some of the guys that are coming in next year as well i mean you got to be happy about the big man keenan palacia from the brisbane broncos coming over i mean a guy with a massive motor he's come in for brisbane before and played 50 plus minutes as well so um talk to us about keenan palacia what excites you about him coming over to the titans outfit yeah, the crazy thing is, is that kind of going into this year, and I do a podcast with Clark, he's rubber league column uh, every week for the Gold Coast Titans. And, you know, at the beginning, we thought that like Palacia was going to come in and be more of a depth role and be someone who would just come in and and have to fight alongside guys like uh, Cleese Haas now and Chrissy Randall and all that type of stuff. But we never thought that he was actually, we didn't until recently think he was going to get into the 17 with the emergence of a couple of our guys that we've got this year. But his final series has been incredible. I think he's gotten over 150 metres in every single game that he's played towards the back end of the year. Um, so really impressed with that. Obviously, he was a Justin Holbrook signing and we've got Desi Hasler coming in next year. So it does come down to what Desi Hasler thinks. But yeah, really excited from what Cannon can do because now he's got that finals experience. He's got a grand final to his name as well. Uh, and yeah, obviously, it's, uh, it's really good signs there with another really great forward because our forward pack is amazing as it is. Yeah, I mean, having guys like Tino and Mo Fodawaker as well, killing it at the moment in the middle. Um, you've got a sensational forward pack and, and Keenan coming off the bench, it just adds to that as well. Now, a guy that's not really a signing, but he has been out all year with injury, Bo Firma. I think a lot of people are forgetting he's coming back into this side next year as well. He was in incredible form before he got injured. Talk to me about the impact of Bo Firma coming back into this side. I think he's going to be amazing as well. Yeah, Bowie's amazing, man. Bowie was was actually before he got his, I think it was an ACL or something around that. I think it was an ACL. But before he went down injured, people were talking about him getting into the Origin Arena and, and playing for Queensland this year. Because I think he was on the extended reserves for Queensland last year. And he was our best player last year. Despite it being a awful year, he was our best player. And 
it would have been amazing to see him and David Fafida going together because honestly, you look at the Queensland side, the forwards, Moeki Fodawaka and uh, and Tena Faso Malawi, that's two of our boys right there. And then you could, obviously, David Fafida as well. And then you potentially could have added in Bowie Firma. So our entire four-pack could have been out with Queensland this year. And that just shows that there is the quality there. We just need to piece it all together. But Bowie Firma, you know, running alongside Dave Fafita down the back row for 2024 is going to be absolutely immense. And, you know, he's come back from a the exact same injury beforehand that Titans have actually been documenting uh, throughout the year, his return and, and uh, getting through it. And I spoke to Bowie earlier this year multiple times. And he said, if there was footy in November, I'd be playing. But obviously, there is no footy in November. So, yeah, really excited for what he can produce and people are forgetting about him they are sleeping on him and he knows how to come back from that injury man so i'm really excited and it is um a sensational forward pack again that you're building we'll talk about that at length uh in a little bit you are losing a little bit of depth in the hooking position but you've got a lot of hookers um yeah you've had a lot of hookers this season uh cruz leaming obviously goes back to wigan uh but you've got a, a number of sensational hookers obviously in sam verrill's um, you know, obviously in Chrissy Randall as well. If you had to gun to head with all the hookers that you've got this year, if you had to pick one to start going into 2024, based off the footy we've seen this year, are you picking Verrills or are you picking Randall? Oh, 100% of the time I'm I'm picking Sam Verrills because I think that Chris Randall is the best one of the best utility forwards that I've seen across the competition. Not only can he play hooker, but he can also play front row. He can play back row and he can play 13. This guy, literally, you can throw him anywhere in the forwards and he has been one of our best players this season. I think he received one of the coaches award uh, at our uh, our Titans Awards night to Paul Broughton the other week that we were at. Uh, so yeah, he's an incredible player, man. But, you know, obviously Sam Verrills is also one of the most underrated hookers in the comp. It's just that unfortunately he has got that little bit of an injury-prone curse that seems to follow him through his career. I genuinely believe that when Sam Verrills is on the field, he's a top five hooker in the game. I think he's extremely underrated, extremely underrated. And I thought he was extremely underrated at the Roosters, but it's just, again, those injuries kept haunting him. So look, Sam Verrills starts, Chris Randall off the bench, whether if he doesn't need to come on for the nine, well, then you chuck him into the the uh, forwards, anywhere in the forwards. And he just is a tackle bot, man. Absolute tackle bot. Yeah, he's a weapon in defense. I think he averaged over 30 tackles this season as well, maybe even more than that. I think he was... Uh, immaculate in defense. And I think when you credit the Titans from something this year, um, you've got to credit the forwards, but I think defensively in the forward pack, you guys were very solid. Yes. Obviously there were some times in some pretty tight games, you know, where in the second half, the defense would sort of slip off a little bit and, um, you know, teams would, I guess, rattle you. Say got- it how it is, man. Just, just say it how it is. The first half of the season was, that was just the most awful time in the history of any sporting franchise because at halftime, we, we were undefeated until I think round 16, 17 in the first half. And, oh, jeez. You get going. I'm sorry. I don't, I, I, but, damn. Yeah, that was a hard first half of the year. You know, yeah, but I, I think at the back end of the year, though, your defense, it definitely improved a lot. Uh, I think that was one thing that I, I sort of had in my notes here towards the back end of the year, you guys, it's almost like you learnt from the mistakes at the start of the year and you were slowly growing. And I think with the forward pack you've got next year, you could really be dangerous. I don't know. And it'll probably hurt you to say this a little bit. I don't know if we'll be top eight, but I think you'll definitely improve from here. I think there's definitely improvement coming uh, with the forward pack you've got. You definitely have the potential to beat a top side. And we've seen that, you know, only two years ago, you were just made the eight as well, but, um, yeah, look, I mean, it, it, it's looking up from here. It really is. Um, one of the, one of the issues I have for the Titans, I think going into next year is the spine. 
you've got AJ Brimson, you've got Jaden Campbell and Keanu Keeney, who came pretty much out of nowhere for me. I mean, we saw his Queensland Cup highlights and we knew that he was going to be a first grader, but coming in for the last few rounds of the competition, he's been electric. Now, there's obviously talk AJ goes to centre. How are you structuring? If you're Desi Hasler going into 2024, you're picking a lineup for the round one of next season. How's your spine looking? Yeah, well, that fullback conundrum has been a conundrum since before. Obviously, the emergence of Keanu Kenny. Now, obviously, I knew Keanu beforehand, but you know that Jaden Campbell, AJ Brimson thing has been going on since last year. You know, and and for a little bit now, but we really don't know because you'll see AJ like be out injured or whatnot, and JC get his crack, and then he'll absolutely kill it, and then you know JC will go back to the fourteen, and AJ will come back in and and kill it as the fullback there. And throughout JC's time, everyone's like, oh no, JC has to be fullback. He has to be fullback. And then when AJ, AJ comes back, those same people will go and say, AJ has to be fullback, has to be fullback. So it's really confusing. Look, Keanu's a good friend of mine. I love Keanu. Uh, he is a very patient boy. He's a very patient man. Uh, he's just out of high school. You know, he's just got a name uh, locked in a spot for the New Zealand rugby league team uh, in the Pacific Championships coming up, which is really exciting there for an 18-year-old bloke, man. Like it's just, for him, it's just a dream to be here. And I know that he's humble enough and, and patient enough to to wait out his opportunity. He loves the Gold Coast. He's, you know, he's from here. So he, he really cracks on with it. Um, if I was to choose a fullback, I think that, I think that you're probably, oh man, it's so hard because I know the other position is what I'm going to select. And that's why I'm taking a little bit long with this one. I think that I, if I'm Desi, because I think that Shuppy could actually improve drastically on a Desi. So the only person that could be coming in to the center, like obviously Brimo to go to center, you'd have to probably get out rid of Shuppy and put him into reserves for Tweed, where he's actually been playing a lot of back row for Tweed at Seagulls. Uh, I would, I probably would put JC fullback AJ into the centers if you put a gun to my head. Uh, but I do think that Desi will probably still go with the 14 of JC AJ into the one and implement JC a lot more than what Justin Holbrook was utilizing him for because he would come on with like five minutes to go and that was it. So, gun to head, I, 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 I personally have JC fullback AJ center, uh, and then obviously falls in six. Tanner Boy 7, and then 9, Tommy Verrills. But obviously, Tommy Weaver is coming through the system as well, which is exciting. Yeah, well, I was going to bring that up because not only is the fullback spot a conundrum, but the 7 is as well. I mean, Tommy Weaver has impressed me. Those first two weeks he came in, you couldn't have had a tougher first two weeks in first grade. He goes up against Penrith, mm. and then he goes up against the Melbourne Storm. Uh, and in the first half of that Melbourne Storm game, you lose, you just looked like you were going to win it. The first half of the Penrith game, He's looked like he were going to win it as well. The forwards were humming and he was just off the back of that, creating set after set after set um, for you guys as well. You were looking really impressive. You were the ones that scored the first try in the Penrith game as well. Uh, I mean, are you picking um, a guy like Tom Weaver at seven? Are you really picking Tanner Boyd at seven? Because I think that Tanner Boyd, the, the best, the better footy that I've seen from him when he's played for the Titans has actually been at nine. So I'd even consider having Tanner at 14. Uh, and Tommy Waver to start the year. What are your thoughts on that one? So it, it is a good question. I think that for me, uh, we've got, like obviously we did lose Cruz Leeming, but Cruz Leeming was only signed because of the injury to Sam Verrill so that we had a backup to Chris Randall. So, uh, and there's a reason why I'm saying this because we've already got that kind of depth there in that hooker department. And I don't think that Tanner needs to go there. Now, I think that Tanner actually this year wasn't as bad as a lot of people tried to make out. One, he's a very good conversion kicker, which we don't have outside of him. Tanner doesn't miss. Tanner does not miss. 
Um, you know, and, and Tanner has really improved drastically this season comparatively to previous years. And again, it, another thing that comes down to this team is that we switched coaches halfway through. We had contract dramas. We had the first half fade, second half fade outs in the first half of the season. You know, there's been a really tumultuous year, but Tanner has actually stayed pretty strong throughout. Now, Tommy Weaver is making a really big name for himself and, and really trying to get into the team. But I don't think that Desi's going to come in and just blow it all up because one, Kieran and Tanner are literally best mates off the field. They You don't see them stop with each other. They're always with each other. They have a really good rapport with each other. And you'll notice that when they're on the field together, they do actually play pretty well alongside each other. And Foran really does keep Tanner in check. And Tanner also does the same thing with, with Foz, but ultimately has that utmost respect for Foz as well. So I think that, you know, if we got rid of him after the one full year in a tumultuous year, it'd be pretty unfair. So I think that we'd have to wait until at least the first half of the season next year before we even decide to think about putting a brand new fresh kid in. He did have a tough crack. Obviously we saw what happened with his face when he came up against the doggies and yeah, he still went back out there. Um, it's another tough conundrum. That is a good conundrum, but it just comes down to, we've put some faith in Tanner. Tanner hasn't really actually done anything wrong so far. He just hasn't hit the peak that we kind of would like him at yet. Uh, but still, you know, there's still so much time there. Or do you go and completely put a fresh face in and start the new, you know, life off with Desi Hasler? Uh, but with that being said, Foz is also probably going to be moving on soon. He's getting a bit on and uh, and he'd be okay with me saying that. And Tommy Weaver could come in and play six as well. Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm very keen to see what the starting lineup is, but I think if there's anything that I need to pinpoint for you guys going into next year, it's definitely sorting out that spine and even keeping it consistent until the origin period before mm -hmm. making any big calls uh, about how, you know, if you're going to change the spine or not. Um, but I'm very impressed with Weaver. I thought that when he came in at the back of the year, I thought he was very impressive. Tanner Boyd was like, okay. Like I didn't mind Tanner Boyd. His kicking game was probably what kept Titans in most games, especially at the back end of the year when he was in that side. Doesn't miss. Um, yeah, it doesn't miss, eh? Um, <laughs> yeah. um, well, fun fact for you, like just, just to clarify, obviously it does not miss is a thing with my YouTube channel where I ne if, if Tanner Boyd is making a kick, if they're going for a kick, I'll only put in when he gets the kick. So Tanner Boyd has actually never missed a kick or conversion on my channel before. Uh, but fun fact, outside of that little thing, he's actually top three kickers in the game for conversion rate. I think Nathan Cleary is number one. I can't remember who's two, but he was third. He was only 2% behind Nathan Cleary as well. So um, he's a really good conversion kicker. And to go with his kicking game on the field, his kicking game on the field improved drastically towards the back end of the year. Yeah, totally. And it takes so much pressure off Kieran Foran as well. And Kieran Foran, I thought his ball playing improved this season. Uh, it's one of the things that I thought was um, that stood out for me for Foz. And speaking of Foz, I think that he has done what probably the best thing for Dave Fafita coming over to the Titans because he's unlocked him 100%. I think Dave Fafita's had his best best year. It's I wouldn't say he's been forced to be involved, but Foran's constantly got him involved. Um, and he's played really well off the back of that. He's taken that on his shoulders and uh, played some really decent footy. Uh, he's been really strong. Uh, he's taken, taken some really tough carries in big moments. Uh, his ball playing has improved. A kicking game we never thought we'd see out of a forward, uh, Dave Fafita. Um, talk to me about how Foz has really unlocked Dave Fafita because it, it has been massive, a massive part of Titans' year. Yeah, it's just the experience factor. You know, obviously last year, 
the reason why, because 2021, we made the finals, but it was also kind of debatable because we had a negative 14 points differential. Fair enough, the Knights also, who were in seventh, had like a minus 140 points differential. But the point matter is, is that going to our team, we had no experience um, going into the next year because we decided that based off of that year, we were going to go full in on the youth. And we went with uh, the fullback was JC, I think it was. The six was AJ Brimson. The seven was Toby Sexton. And then the nine was Aaron Clark. And as you can see, that spine has completely changed now because it did not work. Toby Sexton is now with the Doggies. I would have loved him to, to do well with us, but he didn't. Um, you know, AJ Brimson, for me, he's a fullback or a center. I'm, I wouldn't put him into the 5'8". And that's the point. We needed an experienced half there. And we had no experienced halves. And that's why we were so down in 2021. And then 2022, we're kind of trying to retinker to get back to a stage where we were prior to that year where we just had a complete, you know, club collapse, I would personally say. Because uh, last year was way worse, a million times worse than this year. I actually wouldn't even say this year was as bad despite the ladder positioning because there's a lot of arguments for throughout the year. Um, but Foz coming in has provided that experience. He's provided that guy that that knows he's been with Manly when they've won a premiership. He's been alongside some incredible players. You know, he's got that age to him and he's got that... He is such a nice guy, Fozzer, that he's not... He knows how to get to other players and talk to other players without, you know, sounding rough or without sounding rude or, or, or being derogatory. He really just gets to the point and knows what he's doing. And I think that Dave has really been able to respect that. He's been able to say, get into the right position because Foz will direct him there and has killed it this year, defensively, attacking-wise. And that's another thing with Dave as well. Everyone looks at him... At, as the like, like an attacking back rower, but he actually is a really good defensive back rower as well. He's become a more balanced player overall. Last year wasn't as bad statistically as people made out from comparatively to his 2021 form. Yeah, 2021, really good. He scored 17 tries, broke club record, and then didn't last year, but that was the whole club as a whole. But then this year has gotten enough tries but also just really focus on that defense and being focused on being a defensive and balanced player. So yeah, really, uh, really happy with the progress that Dave's made. Thanks to Foz. Oh yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that Foz has really done a great job to unlock him and, and defensively. Yes, I agree. He's become way more balanced um, and he's improved as a player. I think he was very unlucky not to make the Australian squad. I'm, I'm sure you'd be spewing about that one. Well, Dave, I believe, is injured, um, but also because I actually spoke to him on Sunday. It was at the grand final, uh, but he's also uh, Tongan. Yeah, well, um, there was a lot of – he is – yes, he is Tongan, but I think he's made the squad previously, and a lot of people were expecting him to pick Australia over Tonga this season. Um, oh, there you go. Well, yeah, apparently, apparently he's injured. I didn't know this until I actually – because I had this question when I saw – so someone actually messaged me saying why uh, unlucky for Dave not to make Australia. So that goes in line with what you're saying. And I didn't even know that. But uh, then when the Tongan team came out, because I was like, oh, he's probably playing for Tonga. Hmm. When the Tongan team came out, he wasn't there. And I asked one of our membership guys. So I asked one of our uh, guys in our team and, and they said he was injured. So uh, that would be the reason. There's a lot of guys, one injured this season. There's a lot of guys having postseason surgery um, at the end of the year. There's also a lot of guys chopping and changing as well, I find. Um, we were sort of talking about it a bit on my podcast, but I think Dylan Watani's Lesniak before he obviously got ruled out with injury, he was going over to Tonga as well. Uh, obviously, Farmani Brown going from Samoa to New Zealand as well. It's a lot of guys uh, with a lot of movement, which is which is cool to see, and it makes, I guess, the game a little bit more interesting over there in the Pacific Pacific Championships. And I'm keen to see um, how that goes as well. But let's go back to the Dolphins before we get too sidetracked. Where do you see the Dolphins placed? in 2024 
Where do I say the Dolphins place? Sorry, where do I, where do you see the Titans place? <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully 17th, mate, or 16th with the Broncos. No, uh, where do I see the Titans place? Uh, to to clarify why I think that we are a top eight team next year, and I genuinely do believe it. You look through this season, and they didn't actually miss the eight by a drastic amount, despite the tumultuous season that we've had with the Justin Hogwarts sacking, Desi Hasler coming in, Tino and Dave contract issues, uh, you know, everything that happened at the beginning half of the season, uh, having the interim coach, Jimmy Lanahan, we actually were in pretty much every game. Besides the Roosters game, maybe at Seabus, we were actually pretty much in every game. You go back and have a look at that Rabbitohs game, we're up at halftime and then completely fall apart. We're up 26-0 against the Dolphins and then fell apart there. We're up against the all these other teams, like the, every team, you know, it was it was incredible what we were doing in the first half, and we just need to translate to the second half. Now, when we saw Justin Holbrook leave and Jimmy Lenahan came in, who's a very similar-minded coach to what Desi Hasler is going to bring, and he's actually staying on at the club with him next season, the, the, the defense changed massively, and we actually improved a lot as a team and put more balanced uh, games together. We beat the Broncos at Suncorp Stadium 18-12 the first week afterwards, and really competed with the Warriors, another top four team, where we were down 18-6 with, uh, into the second half with 35 minutes to go. Actually, we're down 18-6. We had Moaki Fodawaka sent off since the 17th minute, which was a controversial send-off. And yet we were tied 18-18 with seven minutes to go there before, obviously, we got too tired and they broke away. We competed with the Storm, competed with the Panthers, and we didn't really get blown out in many games besides that Roosters game. So... For me, you're bringing back a guy like Bowie Firma alongside Dave Fafu in the back row. You've got Tino and Moeg for the wake of front row with Jimmy Jolloff off the bench, who is an incredibly underrated player. Sam Verrill's hopefully stays healthy. The 13 is a bit of an issue right now. We don't really know what we want to do with our 13. But overall, we have the attack and we have the, the quality to be in the top eight. You go back and have a look at the yields. Another two points got officially got t- taken off us because of the no penalties calls. Um, that the NRL came out and said they were incredibly wrong. Uh, there was a Raiders game, the Dave Fafita no try. That would have been a win there. And that's four points already, you know, and I can go back through the season. So for me, I genuinely believe under Desi Hasler, we have a fresh coach. I don't think there is a great deal of pressure to get above sixth position. I, I will probably go between six and eight. Look, I don't mind that take at all. And I think you're the forward puck to do it. I think if Foz is humming, I think he's going to unlock Dave Fafita. Dave Fafita could be in for a career best year. Uh, Bowie Firma coming back as well. Uh, in terms of the lock forward position, I'd be looking to go with someone like Aaron Clark. I thought that when he's played 13 this season, I thought he's been really good. So I'd probably go down that direction potentially. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, I, I don't mind that take. I just don't think with, with how the comps evened out um, over the past two years, I really don't think that it's going to change too much going into next year. The only change I can really see is that the teams that are going to go really good next year are going to go really good and everyone else is just going to be even. So I, I don't think it's really going to change too much. I've got the Titans at uh, between 10th and 12th. I think that's where you guys sit. I think that there's a massive improvement. I think you guys start the year off well as well, depending on what the spine is. Um, and under Desi, I think you guys will go really well as well. But I just don't think that the comp is going to shift too much just with how everything's evened out. And I think we'll see a lot of that um, going into next year. Um, but 
The only thing that I would say in response to that as well, though, is that when you're looking at teams like the Broncos and the Warriors, they've got a lot of question marks actually about next season that people aren't really talking about. So, for example, you know, Adam Reynolds has been incredible. Obviously, he's getting on an age now. The Broncos are starting to figure out whether they want to prioritize re-signing him. He'll be 34 years old next year. So, for the Broncos to be at their very best, we all know that when Reynolds isn't playing well, the Broncos aren't playing well, which is proof in the putting in that grand final. Uh, and they are losing quite a few of their talented players as well. Uh, they've gone to the Dolphins or come to the Titans or, or gone elsewhere. Um, you know, Herbie Farmworth is a huge loss. Kim Palacia is another loss there. You know, Tommy Flegler, another loss there. Um, so I, I really don't know how the Broncos are going to go next year. The Panthers, they're going to continue to do what they're doing. But with that being said, like, they will slowly start to kind of bring themselves back to the competition with the constant player turnover. They're obviously losing a clutch player like Stephen Crichton. They're losing, um, you know, Spencer Lenniu. And although they're small players, it's still like small individual players comparatively to the entire team. They will get brought back down to the pack a little bit more. Can they win it again? Absolutely, they can. Um, you know, and then you've got to have a look at the Warriors. If Sean Johnson is not doing Sean Johnson things, this was a big year for him. But I thought, and I was saying throughout all my streams this year, if... If they didn't win it this year, I don't know if I can guarantee them winning it again next year. So if I've got those questions about those three teams there, I know that I'll have a lot more questions about all the other teams below them. So I think that there definitely could be a few surprise teams that really do improve. And I don't think the Raiders will be where they were. I think they will drop down a, a lot more. Um, you know, I have no idea how this Sharks team's going to go. Like that Sharks team's a lot of shot. Roosters is still 50-50 for me as well. And the Rabbitohs have a lot of pressure with Jason Demetrio and Lachlan Elliott. So... Again, if I've got those question marks, and yet I can, we've got question marks too for sure. But I definitely could see a well we jump up quite a bit. Oh, look, I I, I totally agree, mate. And I, I think I haven't really thought about it in that light before as well. Uh, but we will have to wait and see how the Titans go. As I said, I think tenth to twelfth potentially is how I've I've got them um, going into next year. But look, I'm happy to be proven wrong, and I'm happy for you to get into my inbox. Uh, this time next year, <laughs> tell me all about it, mate. I'm sure I'll definitely get a text on you uh, from you in 12 months' time. But a pleasure having you on, mate, to talk about the Titans. Yeah, appreciate it, man. You know, obviously, we, we do what we can. We're a small club with, uh, you know, a, a really, really great community that is trying to back this club in and, and uh, you know, support through the hard times. I wouldn't even say that this right now is the hard times, but, you know, we, we just keep on cracking on, man. I, I was at every single game, home and away in 2023, and I'll be there again in 2024, and uh, that includes the women's as well. And, and just before we jump off here, I will say as well, the women's proved by getting to the grand final that there's been a change of mindset and attitude within this club as a whole that we believe we can actually get there. We actually have a genuine belief now that this curse isn't really there anymore and we have the ability to go all the way. We just need that experience, get a couple of good years under our belt and genuinely, I, I believe this team can be a great thing going in the future. So although people can call bias all they like, I'm going to back my team in and uh, I'll be there every step of the way. Well, mate, before we head off as well, why don't you promote yourself, Titans Frontline? I know you're doing a lot of work with those guys and and your stream as well. Just give yourself a little bit of a rundown. Let the people know from my, I guess, audience what you do. Yeah. So I do game day experience vlogs where I go to every Titans game. I'm on the drums with the Titans Frontline. We've been doing the Titans Frontline for what's been going around for 16 years. I've been a part of it for 13 years. Uh, so yeah, we get those vlogs going, get some atmosphere going at Seabus Super Stadium. Uh, plus, I do my best, obviously, at away games. But we also do the streams. So I've got the Pacific Championships coming up. We do live streams on BKR Sport where we sit there with you guys. You guys are coming away in the chat. Bit of banter, bit of fun, bit of uh, obviously commentating the game. And uh, we've got the Pacific Championships, we've got the NRL. We're going to be doing a bit of NBA as well, uh, cracking on in the off season. So yeah, it should be a good time. And uh, appreciate it as always.
Thanks, mate. You're a legend. All right. Well, thank you to BKR Sport for coming on again. It was an absolute pleasure uh, to have him on the podcast and talk about his team, the Gold Coast Titans, this year uh, and also going into next year as well. It was an awesome chat. Um, So, yeah, grateful for that one. Let's talk about the Dolphins now. Um, Dolphins have a few signings, a few guys uh, they're letting go as well. I think it's just the trial phase for the Dolphins, obviously just coming into the competition. They're sort of just tasting. It's like wine tasting. It's like beer tasting. It's like wine tasting. They're going in and they're tasting all these wines. They're saying what they like. You know, they're trying out this wine. Oh, I don't really like this one. I want to put this one back over here. I'm going to take this one. Oh, this one over there looks quite good. I'm going to take that and bring it over to here. And, uh, you know, it's 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 like wine tasting, uh, the Dolphins at the moment over the next few years. Uh, and they like some good wine. They like good wine. How do I know they like good wine? Because they brought over Herbie Farnworth and they brought over Tommy Flegler. That shows that they know what they're doing. That shows that they like good wine. Herbie Farnworth, fine wine. You would say uh, he is playing some great football at the moment. And in a big year this year, very big year this year, Herbie Farnworth. I think that he is going to be at centre. Again, we look at Stephen Crichton and the Bulldogs. We talk about the Bulldogs a lot. Uh, we have talked about the Bulldogs a lot when we're drawing comparisons to different teams, uh, especially signings-wise. I think that Herbie Farnworth will play centre, just like I think Stephen Crichton will play centre at the Bulldogs. I think that uh, Herbie Farnworth's best position is centre. We've seen that. I haven't seen him play at fullback yet. That's why it scares me a little bit that he's going to be a fullback reportedly next year, especially when you're getting a guy like Jake Avarillo who can play fullback, has played fullback for majority of last season, uh, you know, this season that's just finished, um, and does a really good job there as well, and I think could be a little bit more dangerous than Herbie Farnworth at fullback. I think Herbie at centre is very, very dangerous. I'd keep it at that. And look, going back to the, you know, I guess, example of wine tasting, uh, you don't mix wines. You don't mix wines. You don't mix center Herbie Farmworth with fullback. You don't mix those two wines. Those wines should be separate. Uh, I think that Herbie Farmworth should be a center. Uh, I think Tommy Flegler is going to be great through the forwards. I think he's one of the forwards that they've needed. They've needed a forward like Tommy Flegler who's going to play some decent minutes and put 100% on the field for you. Um, he is an absolute gun. Jake Avarillo as well, as I said, could be the next fullback. I'd put him at fullback. I'd put Herbie Farnworth at center. Uh, guys, they're le- are losing, sorry, going into next year. Brenko Lee being one of those guys. Look, I think getting in Herbie Farnworth, it's worth the pain there. Uh, all of these guys have just been released. They haven't been signed to new clubs. I don't know what uh, Brenko Lee's situation is going into next year, but we'll obviously find out uh, during the offseason. Uh, Pawasa Fa'al Musili, uh, he has gone to the Bulldogs, I'm pretty sure, uh, which is a big signing for them. Uh, he'll do some good things in the front row and be some great depth uh, in the forwards for them as well. Uh, and JJ Collins as well, one of the young forwards there, all been released. We'll see what happens with those guys in the next few months. Uh, and Herman SESA, he's secured a deal in the Super League with Hull, uh, Hull FC, that is. There's a different. There's a bunch of different Hull teams. There's Hull KR, uh, there's Hull FC, there's a, a bunch of different Hull teams. It gets very confusing over there in the Super League. I bet it would be for a few Pommy fans, at least when the competition came into fruition, it would have been a little bit confusing. But look, going through some of the main points for the Dolphins uh, this season in particular, They've made some great signings and some massive gains for 2024 in Herbie Farnworth, in Jake Avarillo, in Tommy Flegler, in the forwards as well. Uh, I have no doubt they're going to sign a few more guys uh, in the offseason as well. Keep in mind, 
mind, I didn't even know this at the start of the season either, but they've signed some really, um, you know, under-the-radar guys. Albert Kelly's over there at the moment. I had no idea that he was with the Dolphins, but he is. Uh, he left the Broncos at the start of the year when he had all those dramas, and the Dolphins did pick him up. So he was playing reserve grade for the Dolphins. I don't know if he's retired or not, uh, but I'm pretty sure the, the uh, Dolphins do have him in their uh, in their squad, or at least just, you know, not in the top 30, but maybe on a trainer trial or something like that. He's in and around the Dolphins outfit. Uh, I know that he signed there because I did see the post, or at least on their website. Uh, it was a solid first year for the Dolphins, in my opinion. I thought that they went really well in their first year. I mean, you can't really criticize them too much. It is their first year in the competition. Yes, we've seen some great first years in the competition in the past, but um, this side was never going to be a top eight you know, force in this competition. Now, at the start of the year... I would have been proven wrong because they were beating top eight sides. They were looking really strong. Uh, they were winning a ton of games. They were winning more than they were losing at the start of the year. But, you know, I think they, them dropping off uh, at the back end of the year uh, hurt them a little bit. I think that they could have, you know, been at the top uh, spot of the bottom eight uh, for sure. But they obviously dropped off a little bit. They still did quite well for me in their first year. Very, very solid first year. Uh, even with some injuries as well. I mean, the last thing you want when you've got a team of, you know, guys um, that aren't superstars is for injuries to occur. And Sean O'Sullivan got injured. Hamaso Tabuifado was injured for a stretch. They also was out due to origin. Um, you know, there was a bunch of injuries in this side as well. Ray Stone was in and out of this side. Uh, there was a ton of injuries um, in this team as well and a few suspensions as well. Uh, so they were very unlucky in that regard, I think, as well this year. Uh, but other than that, a very, very solid start and a very solid year for them as well, I think, in their first year. Uh, Jermaine Asako, you've got to give credit where credit is due. He had a fantastic year for the Dolphins. Their top try scorer, um, he was doing crazy things with the football. Now, when he signed with the Dolphins, um, and obviously when you look back at his form, um, you know, Back when he was playing with the Broncos and obviously with the Titans, he was in and out of first grade for the Titans. Uh, for the Broncos, he wasn't in first grade at all. He was constantly being dropped from the Broncos. They didn't want him. They let him go. Uh, he goes over to the Dolphins as an underdog. He goes into that under, uh, that Dolphin side as an underdog. No one's expecting anything huge from him. Obviously, coached the right way under Wayne Bennett because as soon as he gets into that side... From the first game right till the end of the year, he was fantastic and one of their best players, if not their best player this season. Another guy you could put in that top category for the Dolphins is Hamaso Tabuai Fado as well. He had a big year at fullback uh, and going into the centers later in the year. I imagine he'll pop up at center next year as well. Um, there was obviously, you know, talk that he was going to pop up at center in this World Cup as well, which I think is definitely going to happen. He'll be, sorry, he'll be the center. Uh, and also, he looks to be a backup fullback as well for the Kangaroos as there aren't any other fullbacks selected other than James Tedesco, which is very, very strange. Uh, so it looks to be a backup fullback just in case James Tedesco does go down. Uh, I thought it was very, very strange they had no backup fullbacks. Very strange. You'd think a Dylan Edwards or, um, you know, a 
Reese Walsh or a Callum Ponga would have been selected in that Kangaroo side. But, um, yeah, no, he's the backup fullback there. Hamaso Tabiwafado, very, very interesting. Uh, and we'll see how he goes. We will see how he goes. I thought he was going to play for Samoa, but there's been a lot of chopping and changing in this World Cup. There has been. Um, it's been very, very interesting. Anyway, talking about the Dolphins, uh, great success to start 2023. Um, you know, obviously, with the wins at the start of the year, uh, the most notable one being round one against the Roosters that was absolutely massive in their first game in history. They blitzed the Roosters. They absolutely blitzed the Roosters. Now, I'm going to say this right here and right now. There's a lot of talk about who the halves are going to be. And I'm not, I'm, you know, the spine could look different. And I think that's a negative for the Dolphins. We don't know exactly how the spine is going to look. And that obviously comes with being a new team in their second year, figuring things out, tasting wines, whining and dining. Um, I like Sean O'Sullivan. I really do. I'm sorry for it, but I like Sean O'Sullivan at seven. I think that he has to be the seven next year. Uh, He's my seven for sure. I think he had a really underrated year. Yes, uh, he was there for most of the year with that pec injury, but every time he was in that side... He was steering the ship. He was doing great things with the uh, with the football. You can see he's been coached in that Penrith outfit because he came in uh, and played like he was still playing in that Penrith outfit uh, with a bunch of you know non superstars in the Dolphins side and some superstars as well in Hammer. In Jermaine Asako, some new superstars, uh, but mostly a team of non non superstars. Um, and he comes in and he plays very, very well to start the year. Uh, they were winning off the back of some of his plays as well, not just your Hamaso Tabiwafa Doe's and your Jermaine Asako's. They were winning off the back of some of his plays as well. So uh, big year for Sean O'Sullivan. Uh, very unlucky with that pec injury that had him out for most of the year, um, but I think that if I'm Wayne Bennett, he is my halfback going into next year without a doubt. He is fantastic. Now, they did when he just came back, played him as a backup hooker. Not a fucking chance. He is a, he is a smaller frame, and he could do a job there for sure, but he's my halfback. If I'm picking a side uh, for the Dolphins going into next year, Sean O'Sullivan is my halfback. Um, now, a combination of five-eighths could be Isaiah Katoa, could be Anthony Milford. I really liked what I saw from Milford to end the year, to be honest. Um, Cody Nicarima as well could be my five-eight. Going into next year, I don't mind that at all. Cody Nicarima had a very solid end to the year. I'd actually pick Cody Nicarima at 5'8 just quietly. I'd have Isaiah Katoa at 14 to come off the bench, play a roaming lock roll. He's got a big frame, so I think he could pull off that roaming lock roll as well. But that's how I'd sort of pick my side at the moment. Obviously, things could change. New signings, new signings could come about. But based on the form of this season... For next season, I'd be going with Cody Nicarima at six. I'd be going with Sean O'Sullivan at seven. I'd be going for Jake Avarillo at one. I'd be going for Herbie Farnworth in the centers. Isaiah Katoa would be a roaming, uh, you know, roaming lock off the bench. I think he could do that role really well in that 14 jersey. Um, Ray Stone's my 13 at the moment, unless they sign someone else. Um, we'll go through all my predicted sides, uh, obviously, a bit later on, closer to, but I might post some, um, you know, over the next few days as well, over the next few weeks, I mean, after my HSC for sure. I'll sit down and have a real think about it, uh, and they'll give some time for some more signings to occur as well during this offseason. But, um, yeah, look, I mean, it, it's starting to – you're starting to put the pieces together for the Dolphins. They could have some su- success over the next three years. I don't think it will be immediate success um, next year, I think there'll be some success over the next few years, uh, but I don't count on there being success straight away for the Dolphins. Uh, where I see them going into next season, 
Uh, just looking at where I put some other teams um, already going into this year. I'll probably chuck them at 15th. Um, yeah, 15th, I reckon, is fair enough for them. I think they move up a little bit. Um, but the comp's so evened out that, you know, sides are going to go up for sure. Sides, that means, are going to go down as well. And I think that the Dolphins at 15th isn't the worst call in the world. I think that's where they're going to sit. Um, and we'll talk about the Moonly Seagulls as well. Uh, the last team we're going to do for this particular review preview. Uh, Manly Seagulls this season. Oh, by the way, Dolphins, I've graded them a D. I've graded the Manly Seagulls a D as well. I think they've had very similar, different years, if that makes sense. Uh, different circumstances, different things happening. But uh, in terms of their success, um, they've had very similar years in that regard. Um Signings for next year for Manly, uh, Luke Brooks, Tommy Talao from the West Tigers, Jackson Polo from the Sydney Roosters. I don't mind that at all, to be honest. Don't mind it at all. I think with Luke Brooks going over there, you'd have to assume he's the sixth to Cherry Evans seven, and I like that. I think that's the best possible outcome for Luke Brooks, playing with a halfback like DCE, um, a very structured halfback, a very successful halfback as well. I really like that for Luke Brooks, uh, playing alongside him, and it frees Luke Brooks up to just play his footy as well, which is what I really, really like um, about this signing as well. I think it suits Luke Brooks really, really well. Uh, as for Tommy Talao, look, they just got rid of Morgan Harper to go to the Parramatta Reels only a few weeks ago now, a little bit only one week ago, to be honest, where they uh, got rid of Morgan Harper at Manly to go and sign with the Parramatta Reels. Interesting one for Para, and we'll obviously talk about that when we do their season review. But um, yeah, very interesting signing for them. But getting in a guy like Tommy Talao, um, you know, we've seen how talented he is in stints for the West Tigers, particularly at the back end of the year when it was a more frequent occurrence um, in the side. I think that he will be great for the Manly Seagulls, and I think he'll start too. Uh, Jackson Paulo as well from the Sydney Roosters. I think he'll start on the wing for sure. I think the wingers will be him and Saab. I think the centers will be Tolutau Kaula, and it will be Tommy Talao. I think Brad Parker, the rumor with him was that he was going to be off the bench playing in the back row. Uh, very interesting. Very interesting call. Um, you know, but I think he could suit that role. I really do. I think that he could suit that role. I don't think he could suit the role of a 14, but I do think he could suit the role, uh, you know, as a back rower if they do go down that route. I think if he builds up his frame a bit, he could be a very, very good back rower as well. It is a very, very interesting move from uh, Anthony Seabold, but we'll see how it pays off going into next season. Uh, some of the guys they are losing, and probably the biggest loss for um, the Manly Seagulls has to be Samuel Afainu. I think that is absolutely huge. Uh, losing him, obviously, to the West Tigers, he uh, provides a lot of impact off the bench. Um, I think could have provided a lot of impact off the bench for the Manly Seagulls as well, if coached correctly. Um, coming fresh into the season, I think he could have had a big year for Manly. Going to the West Tigers, I think it's going to be the same deal. I think he's going to come off the bench, provide a ton of impact, and be a really strong forward. Uh, he could either play off the bench for me in the middle or come in uh, and play a bit of back row starting. I wouldn't mind that at all because we've seen him in the back row and he's looked very dangerous there along with Homolio Lakawatu uh, this season that's just finished. 
finished as well. So uh, keen to see where Samuel Afanu ends up in this West Tigers outfit, but a big loss, I think, in terms of youngsters coming through uh, for the Manly Seagulls. Losing Latu Fainu as well through the juniors, I think, is humongous for Manly. And um, I think it's even worse because there was a plan now before DCE, you know, retires over the next three years. There isn't one now. Latu Fine was the plan. Now he's gone. K Weeks has gone as well. Uh, he would have been the next up guy as well. And, and there's just no sort of direction going into, um, obviously, after DCE retires in the next two to three years. There's no real direction after that. Uh, which is very, very interesting. I mean, Cooper Johns, I've heard, is leaving as well. There's been nothing announced as of yet, but he hasn't been offered, offered a contract going into next year. Um, and the, the, what, I, what I've heard is he's going to the Super League to play for either Warrington or Leeds, I'm pretty sure I heard, but uh, could be someone totally different. All I know is that he's going to the Super League. Um, so, yeah, big losses there in KO Weeks and Latu Fainu. I mean, um, yeah, there isn't really a direction now for after DCE. Unless you put Luke Brooks back to seven, which he'll only last you another year after DCE. Um, and then you chuck in Schuster to 5'8". Um, but we'll talk about Schuster in a second because his situation, I think, could be a real worry for the uh, for the Manly Seagulls going into next year. Uh, Morgan Harper, we talked about him already, obviously leaving to go to Parramatta. Very interesting to see where he ends up in that side as well. Um, so let's talk about Manly from this season. Decent signings, plenty of upside going into next year. I think they've done well in the signings department, and I think that it could really up their success going into next year as well. Look, to be honest, even with even if Tom Travoyevich, you know, breaks his leg tomorrow or breaks his leg in round one, uh, you know, Ruben Garrick, I've really liked what I've seen from him at fullback. I think they've got enough without Tom Travoyevich to get into finals. I really do. So I think they end up around seventh. I think that they get into the top eight this year, uh, even if they lose Tom Travoyevich. Now, that's a big call uh, because, you know, Tom Travoyevich is a main part of their offense and he gives them a lot of confidence. But I think even without Tommy, if Tommy breaks his leg in round one, I still think they have enough strike power um, and, you know, enough X factor in this team to be a finals contender. Uh, and that comes off the signings of Luke Brooks at six, comes off the signings of Tommy Talau uh, in the centers, off Jackson Bowler on the wing. You know, some great signings going into uh, this year. And can you see some more signings for Manly? I think they need a few more forwards. I think they need some really mongrel forwards, uh, especially losing a guy like uh, Samuel Afainu. I think they really need some strike power in the middle. Um, but other than that, they're looking pretty good going into next year, and I'm very keen to see how they go. I think the only guy they haven't replaced is Samuel Lafani. Once they replace him with maybe one or two uh, mongrel forwards in the middle, I think they're sweet for next year, and I think they really could be a finals contender. So decent signings uh, with plenty of upside going into next year. I think another positive for Manly is that we know now who the out-and-out six is. We know that it's going to be Luke Brooks. We probably don't know, to be honest, because Schuster could just end up there and Luke Brooks could be in reserve grade or in 14 to come off the bench at Hooker or something ridiculous. Uh, we, we might not know. But as far as I'm concerned, my out-and-out six for the Manly Seagulls is Luke Brooks. It isn't uh, Josh Schuster. And again, we'll talk about Josh Schuster in a second, but we know who the out-and-out six is. And I think that's a real positive going into next year um, for the Manly Seagulls. We're still talking about next year. Should be talking about this year. Uh, if there's any standouts 
for the Manly Seagulls. I think DCE had one of the best years of his career. Um, really solid year for DCE um, this season. He was one of the halfbacks of the year. If Sean Johnson didn't exist, he'd be my Dallium halfback of the year, DCE. Uh, very, very strong year for the Manly Seagulls. He was electric. He was almost reminding me of a younger DCE debuting for Origin and being so tough. And, um, you know, it, I was really excited for DCA. And um, to play like this at 36 years of age now uh, is incredible. And I think that just means that he's going to be playing until he's 40. I think he's going to have a Cameron Smith-type longevity career because uh, he's still playing well at 36. I could see him going for another two to three years at minimum. Um, really good stuff there from DCA. Had one of his career best years. Uh, you've got to talk about Lachlan Croker when you talk about the Mooney Seagulls this season. Lachlan Croker um, obviously came into the competition from Canberra as a half, um, you know, a second string half as well. They signed him as a bit of depth. Lachlan Croker played a few games for Manly in the halves. It just wasn't it. It really just wasn't it. Uh, obviously, they went to reserve grade for a little while, came back. Um, you know, there was a really dire stage when Api um, you know, obviously left to go to the Panthers. And uh, Manasseh Finu obviously had issues off the field, which meant he couldn't play. And they didn't have a nine. And Lachlan Croker comes in uh, and he absolutely fucking kills it. Slowly and slowly gets better at nine. To the point where he's an out-and-out nine, and I wouldn't consider him in any other jersey other than the number nine. He's been fantastic this year, and it, and it just means that Manly can save their money uh, on out-and-out number nines, and they can save their money on out-and-out number nines because they have Gordon Cam Tong Tong as well um, in reserve grade, who can be that 14 for them because he did have some decent one or two games uh, towards the back end of the season for Manly as well in that 14 role. To give Lachlan Croker a little bit of a break, he was doing well playing 80, minute, uh, 80, yeah, 80 minutes at hooker when he was a fucking half. Uh, and when he was in reserve grade as well, playing less than 80 minutes. Uh, he comes in, he plays hooker for one game, for full 80, and kills it. And now he's an out-and-out hooker, which is incredible stuff. Lachlan Croker, you've got to give a shout-out to him because he's been fantastic this year as well. And he's been one of the better hookers in the competition as well. Even if Manly haven't been successful, again, he's just a guy that pops up in the team of the week. Uh, you know, out-and-out weeks sometimes for Manly. He uh, does some great things at, in the number nine jersey. He's been really, really solid. Um, I have really enjoyed uh, Toletel Kiala this season. I think he's had a great year. Is it his rookie year? I'm not too sure. I think it might be his second year, but I thought he was a rookie. I thought that he was in uh, in line for rookie of the year. I thought it was his first year, but you know whether it's his first year or like first year and a half, I think that he's been really solid. I think that he's locked himself a spot in the centers. I think Saab's locked himself a spot on the wing, or at least for me, I can't really ignore that speed uh, and X factor, especially again if Tom Trevojevic is out. Uh, Saab's there on the wing for me if Ruben Garrick has to go to fullback. Um, you know, I, I think that I'd even consider putting Tom Trevojevic at centre to start the year. Um, you know, a lot of people are going to backlash that. They want to see Tom Trevojevic playing his best football at fullback. But, you know, when he constantly gets injured there, you've got to sort of change things up for his benefit and for the team's benefit as well. And if that means Ruben Garrick's playing fullback, that's what... It means, I guess. I mean, if that means that Tommy Talao maybe misses out on a few games or comes off the bench as a back row, which we've seen him do a few times, or, um, you know, whatever happens, if the center pairing is Tom Trevojevic and um, and Brad Parker or Tom Trevojevic uh, and Tolotel Kiala, if that's what it is, it is what it is. 
Um, but I've really enjoyed, uh, anyway, I've really enjoyed uh, Hotel Keller this season. I've enjoyed Saab this year. Um, and I, yeah, look, I mean, keeping Tom Trevojevic fit, and we'll talk about that now as well, because that's the first point in the negatives, uh, is Tom Trevojevic and his injury rate. Um, I think that's a big concern going into next year. I think it was a big concern this year. Um, just the, I guess, not knowing what was going to happen next with Tom Trevojevic. Every time he his hands touched the ball, you'd sort of... <gasps> Like, he would just get a bit of a shock. Um, you didn't know what was going to happen with Tom Trevojevic. Um, You know, <laughs> it's really concerning. It really is for Manly going into next year because they're playing. They're paying a lot of money for him to play football. And when he's not playing football, it's money down the drain. And as hard as that is for Manly fans to hear, it is. It's money down the drain. If he's not playing rugby league football for every year of his contract consistently... Yes, you know, and it's unfair to say that because he's getting these long-term injuries which he can't control. His body, I would even argue, isn't built for rugby league, yet he kills it in rugby league. Uh, and his body's so un- unorthodox. It's what, it's what makes him so good in rugby league. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, it's unfair on him to sort of say that, I guess, as well. Uh, it's not his fault that he's getting injured. But the reality is rugby league's a business and when, you know, your star player in Tom Trevojevic, who is getting paid a shit ton of money to play in his position consistently throughout an entire season, when he isn't playing, you know, it is money down the drain. I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a pay cut in his next contract, potentially, unless he starts playing consistent rugby league football, um, you know, gets the proper rehab that he needs and gets back to playing uh, the footy that we all know Tom Trevojevic can. I think that, um, you know, if he does get back to his best, I don't think Seagulls will be seventh. I think they'll be much higher than that. I think they can really hit a ceiling this year. I think they've got the team to do so. If they gel the right way, they could be a very successful team in this competition. Uh, I think they could be the, I guess, the smoky to be up there as well if Tom Trevojevic is fit and consistent throughout the entire year. Um, but even when he did come back, he was never really the same um, this year, I thought, as well, which was a little bit concerning for Manly. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, uh, we'll have to wait and see on Tom Trevojevic. I don't really know. It's, it's hard to know with Tom Trevojevic if he'll be back in 100% next year, but we all hope he will be. Uh, and Schuster, we've been holding this off right up until the end, but Schuster, I think we know that he's not a six now. Whatever he is, he they've got to decide that now. They've got to decide that in the offseason, in the preseason. What is Josh Schuster? Is he a 5'8"? Because if he's a 5'8", condition him like a 5'8", get him fit to play 5'8". Because, yes, he was playing some good games at 5'8", with some great kicking games. Uh, you know, at some points in the year, we saw glimpses. He wasn't fit enough to play 5'8". Uh, and we saw that as a continuing sort of factor when he was in the sixth jersey. Um, you know, it's probably why he moved back to the bench and we saw Cooper Johns come in and we saw other guys come in and play six. Um, it's because he isn't a 5'8". For me, I think he's a back rower and I think he could be one of the better back rowers in the competition. He's basically, he's basically like if you put a halfback's mindset in a day for feeder. That's what Schuster is. And they can get him to be like that as well. They can condition him to be one of the better back rowers in the competition. And that's what I think he could be. But he's either a six or a back rower. He's not both. He can't be both during the season. You can't chop and change. Um, it's got to be one or the other because it could really factor into Manly's success. 
blooding Luke Brooks and DCE. That is the halves pairing for me going into next year. I've said it a few times now. Blooding the entire spine. That's the focus for Manly for the start of the year, at least for the opening rounds, until they get blooded. And that it is literally finals race time because I really do think they could get into the top eight. I've got them at seventh. I think that's where they're going to land at the moment. Things could change. I could have another think about and go, what the fuck am I talking about seventh? We're going to move this side around. But at the moment, I've got them at seventh. Big call from me, but I think that's where they sit. Um, And yeah, look, I'm very keen to see if I'm right or wrong going into next year. But as I said, Shushter, either a six or a back rower. He's not both. And they've got to figure that out um, going into next year. Well,